0: Hey, this is Dino, and I'm the pastor of Revolution Church. Thank you for downloading this podcast. We hope this message is encouraging to you and will help you to discover God's unchanging love. For more information, visit our website at therevolutionchurch.com. Enjoy the message. But, you know, after last week, and as I got to thinking about a lot of the things we talked about last time, it helped me to really meditate and to set up this new series that I want to call Identity. I want to talk about identity over the next few weeks because I really believe this is an important word, and especially as it relates to when we say our identity in Christ, that we have a new identity in Christ. What does that mean? Yeah, I hear people say that all the time, and it's, it can be vague, and. Today, I want us to wrap our arms around it. I want to get a hold of it. I want to make it practical today so we can really understand what it means when we say we have a new identity in Christ. Because the word identity defined by Webster is uh, the condition of oneself or the condition of one being one. Okay? So really, it is... The idea is what makes you, you, or why are you, you, all right? So the title of this message today is this, Will the Real You Be You? Come on. Will the real you be you? If I was there in person with you in church, you know what I would have you do right now. I would have you turn to the person next to you and tell them, will the real you be you? Come on. Come on. Shout that back at me at chat because you can't talk to somebody or if you're watching with somebody there, come on, say it to them. All right, will the real you be you? Let's pray and we'll get into this. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to share your word. Thank you for the opportunity, Holy Spirit, for you to speak through me and minister this word, Lord God, in a way that will be totally understanding and freeing to us that we may take Uh, higher ground in you, Lord, and become everything that you've called us to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Will the real you be you? Identities can be shaped by a lot of things, and I think you guys would agree with me. As I've been thinking about this, I've been going back and, and realizing That identity can be shaped by family experiences or family upbringing. The way we were raised can shape our identity. I was raised Italian, so wherever I go, I will always lean towards spaghetti and meatballs in every restaurant we go to. And if I've just made somebody hungry right now, sorry, okay? So sausage and that Italian seasoning, I was raised with it. So uh, no matter how, how how many Mexican dishes my wife will make? I will always gravitate towards something Italian. I was raised that way. It's in me. I identify with Italian food. Um, the culture can shape our identity. You know, I was raised I was raised in a, f- a real family culture. That can shape our identity. Some people aren't raised in a family culture. That can shape their identity. Uh, media, everybody would agree with me on this one. Media can really shape our identity today. We all know people that spend too much time on media and it can alter their personality. It can change them. Media can shape our identity. Societal expectations can shape our identity. I mean, the society says you should be fat. Society says you should be skinny. This collar's in, that collar's out. And all of those expectations can shape us whether we realize it or not. And so as I started to think about this, I asked myself this question about identity. Why am I such a Detroit Lions fan? I'm a football fan. You guys all know that I love football. I love college football. I love professional football. But when it comes to Detroit Lions, I am such a fan. And so, you know, and, and I know, maybe some of you are watching right now and you're just like the lions are you kidding me s-o-l you know that stands for sorry old lions for some reason the detroit lions got in me and i have just been a fan forever i identify with the lions okay so i asked myself this question getting rid of this message why why do I identify with the Lions? or why can't I identify with the New England Patriots or the Seattle Seahawks? My buddy Jason loves the Hawks. Why can't I? they're winners, right? But why can't I identify with them? And so and I've been asking myself this question, especially because you know, football season can be frustrating, right? And so especially when your team's always losing. But I, I had to go back to grade school where my love for the Detroit Lions came from. Because back in grade school, there was this benefit game that's being played. It was the Detroit Lions against the teachers, all right? And it was after school. It was amazing. It was fun. That was when I got to meet all of the Detroit Lions back then. And I didn't know men could look so muscular and so amazing and athletic and, and they were so friendly and they were so kind and they and, and the game was a blast and it, it left such an impression on me that's when I became a Lions fan I met them and it just got in me in fact here's what I left that game and then in all oh, I just go in an in, in art, art time okay I had to do an art project we are all assigned an art project and I decided to make this Detroit Lions rug Yes, from that game, this rug hung in my room for years, crafted all by myself. Isn't that amazing? Okay. And so I got to thinking about how and why the Detroit Lions have shaped me. Why do I identify with them so much with all the frustrations of their losing, and all the ups and downs of the different coaching changes and wishing they were winning like the Patriots or the Seahawks or the Steelers, right? This team is in me. And so I realized that man, the things that can mold us and shape us and the things we grow up with and the things that we hear from an early age or the things that we allow to mold us and shape, can really get in us, it can really shape our identity. And here's why this is so important and why I really feel like I want to, I want to unpack this today because you know something, maybe you don't want to be an average student. You want to be an above average student, but all of your life, you've just identified with being average. And maybe today, God wants you to break out of average. Maybe you've always just identified with living paycheck to paycheck because that's what you were raised with. You saw your parents living paycheck to paycheck and so now you live paycheck to paycheck. That's what you identify with, but you want so much more. That's what this is about here today. What is it in your life that you've identified with? Maybe you've all, Maybe you've always rented or you've always been in an apartment, nothing wrong with being in an apartment, but you've always wanted a home of your own but your parents always rented, and so therefore you always rented it, and you've just accepted the deal if they're rent for the rest of your life when you want so much more. I'm telling you, there we, today we have an opportunity to break out of some of this stuff. And that's what this message today is all about. It's about this, that you don't have to settle for average, you don't have to settle for what you think is your identity. We could find out. Your true identity, especially the identity that you have in Christ, if you're a Christian. Look at this here in 2 Corinthians 5.17. I want you to see this, okay? Because it says here, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I love this. He's a new creation. You are brand new is what this means. Old things have passed away. Behold, old, Behold, all things have become new. And I I love this passage of scripture because what this is saying is that when you become a Christian, you become a new creation. Not a renovated one, not a rehab one, not a refurbished one, but a new creation, one that never existed before, okay? That's the reason why you hear these stories of someone who's a drug addict and then all of a sudden he he becomes a Christian and he just goes on to do something amazing with his life. Or you find sports people that struggled in sports. I think of a guy like Tim, Tim Tebow, he became a Christian and, and how he just excelled in his life, okay? This is what the... This is this is the beautiful thing that happens when you become a Christian. You become a new creation. The apostle Paul was someone who murdered Christians. He persecuted Christians. When he became a Christian, he became a champion of Christianity. That's what happens when you become a new creation. You didn't exist, but now something brand new exists. I love. It. So here's what this means. This means when you become a Christian, this new creation, you receive a new identity. So, even though you may have been shaped by some experiences or by the past, something, your culture, your family upbringing, or whatever, we have the opportunity to be reshaped or renewed with a new identity now. I love this. John chapter 3 says that Jesus was telling Nicodemus that a man has to be born again. All right, we forget. That that's what the scripture teaches this is what it takes you become born again when you receive christ okay now this word born again in the greek is amazing the word born again means uh geneo gene is where we get the english word genes So what happens when you receive Jesus, when you become born again, you receive new genes. I'm going to call them supernatural genes, not XX or XY, but G, God genes. That's what I like to say. We receive new genes when we receive Christ, spiritually genetic genes. It's almost like this, it's almost when you receive Christ, God says, I'm gonna give you a new identity. I'm gonna put my thumbprint on you. You now belong to me. It doesn't matter how you have been shaped or how your identity has been shaped in the past. We now have a new identity in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? But what does that mean? What, what does that mean practically speaking, okay? We're going to get into that because I, I want to break this down because I really feel like it, it, it's, it's vague when we say, well, I have a new idea in Jesus. I, have an, I identify now with Jesus. What does that mean, all right? But before we get into that, I want to share why I think this is so important right now. Because can not only uh, past experiences, our upbringing, shape our identity, uh, culture, media, all those things we talked about already... I believe seasons can shape our identity too. Here's what I mean by that. All of us have experienced different seasons of life. Maybe you went through a dating season and that dating season led to a, an engagement season and that engagement season led to a marriage season and there are adjustments in every one of these seasons and I think our identity is shaped and molded in every one of these seasons. I'll tell you someplace where your identity is really molded and shaped. When you start having children, man is your identity really shaped and molded, especially when you have teenagers. I have three, come on somebody. Your identity can be molded and shaped through these seasons. And here's why I think this is so important, why God put this on my heart to talk about this because I believe we are in a season of pandemic, the season of COVID-19. Many of us, we're we're entering into our third month of this, okay? Think how long seasons are, okay? There are four seasons in a year, right? And and what I don't want us to to do is, is is allow the season of pandemic, the season of COVID-19 to define us in any way to shape our identity in any way. If anything, I want to remind us that the thumbprint of God is on us. COVID-19 season doesn't have to define us. We can define it. We can rise head and shoulders above it and be everything that God has called us to be, even in this season. And I really feel like this is so important that we understand that our identity is in Christ. I mean, Jesus went so far to explain this to us. Second Corinthians five seventeen says, says right, we're a new creation. Look at John chapter 15 says, this is really good too. It says this, uh, yes, verse five, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Notice he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. We have this new identity now to produce much fruit. The thumbprint of God is on us to produce much fruit. Look what it says. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So notice it says we, that, that, that he is divine and we are the branches. Notice it doesn't say that he is divine and we're trying to be the branches. We are the branches. We are already in the vine. It doesn't matter if we don't feel like we're in the vine. We're already in the vine. It doesn't matter if our behavior doesn't seem to line up with what we think a Christian's behavior should be. We're in the vine. Why? His thumbprint is on us. His. We've received a new identity now. We are in the vine whether we realize it or not. And this is a tragedy. This is such a tragedy, man. If we think, oh, we're not in the vine because, uh, you know, I've, I've got some failure in my life or I've got some sin in my life. So therefore, I'm, I'm cut off from the vine. That's the biggest mistake ever. God doesn't want us to, to, under, to, to believe that. God wants us to know that we're still in the vine because he stamped us. His thumbprint is on us. See, it's such a lie to believe, well, I cut myself off from the the vine. It's a lie. God wants you to know the truth today because the the more you understand that you're still connected to the vine, that's the thing that's going to break sin in your life. That's the thing that's going to break failure in your life. That's the thing that's going to help you come out of that negativity or those bad behaviors or whatever we think it is that's separating us from God. We are connected to the vine. That's our identity. Man, I hope you get this. See, the enemy wants us to feel like the condition around us is the thing that separates us from God or separates us from our identity. But that's not what this means because we've been stamped with God's thumbprint. Okay, we have we have the ability. We are in right position with God now and our position is not based upon condition. The enemy wants you to think that maybe you're in some poor condition so it affects your position in Christ but listen, you're in Christ we have a position in Christ, we have an identity in Christ now, we have a brand new identity, thumbprint from him, we don't have to be subject to the condition anymore. How does that relate to the season? We don't have to allow the season of pandemic or COVID-19 to define us. Instead, we can allow God's identity to shine through us, to be everything that we're called to be, even in this season. I'm telling you, God has a plan for our life. Why? Because we belong to him. We're a new creation. We're in the vine. He put his thumbprint on us will the real you be you will the real you be you and accept who you're called to be accept your purpose and accept your destiny today all right so let's break this down and make this real practical so we say okay my identity is in christ what does that mean okay so it's great to know that i've got this thumbprint it's great to know that i'm a new creature and there are benefits that are connected to this okay and i'm not going to allow the enemy to rob me from the benefits of being uh, a new creation of having this new ID. Okay. So I'm going to give you three things here that I think will be a blessing and really understand what it means to really wrap our arms around when we, we start talking about your new identity in Christ. Right? And the first thing is this, and you write this down and just get old. We have to begin to see ourselves the way God sees us. All right begin to see ourselves the way God sees us. God sees us victorious. God sees us blessed. God sees us as new creations. God sees us connected to the vine, all right? If you see yourself any other way, that is the beginning of not understanding your new identity in Christ. We have to begin seeing ourselves the way God sees us. He sees you accepted. He sees you loved. He sees you blessed. He sees you victorious. You know why he sees you with all in all these ways? Because that's how he sees his son, Jesus. He sees, he's a, God has accepted Jesus. God loves Jesus. If God loves Jesus any more than he loves you, then he wouldn't be just. God loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. And you've got to see this. You've got to see yourself the way God sees you. Now this takes a little discovery, This takes a little time to dig into and to to really, if if the Bible says that I'm accepted, then I need to discover that. If the Bible says that I'm loved, I need to discover that. That's the reason why I love the vision of our church is to discover God's unchanging love because it really helps us to begin to see ourselves the way God sees us. Or here's the next thing that we have to understand. We have to accept what God says about us as truth. We have to accept what God says about us as truth. Now, here's why this is so important. Jesus said in John chapter 8, the truth will make you free. And we love this. We love that scripture. I love it. But when I started to think about that scripture, I learned something about truth. Okay. Truth doesn't just make you free. It's the truth that you know. And it's the truth that you accept that makes you free. Which is the reason why we have to accept what God says about us as truth. If we don't accept it as truth, we'll never walk in the benefits of it. We'll never walk in the light of it. Come on, are you with me? You've got to see yourself as God sees you. Then you have to accept as truth what he says about you. You have to really accept as truth that you are accepted. If you don't feel accepted, you're still accepted. That you are loved even though you may not feel love, that you are victorious in his eyes, even though you may not feel victorious. You have to accept this as truth. You have to finally accept as truth that our sins, past, present, and future have really been dealt with. The sin issue, the separation issue between us and God has been dealt with. We have to finally accept that as truth, because when you accept that as truth, you won't be afraid to receive everything that God has for you. When you accept what God says about you as truth, you won't be afraid to see yourself the way God sees you because you realize it's truth. And that truth that you know begins to set you free. That truth that you know begins to start working on the inside of you, and it begins reshaping the way you see yourself. You may see yourself as someone that always loses, But listen, we serve a God who's always winning. And when you accept that as truth, that you're really a winner, that I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. It begins to change my image. It begins to change my identity. And it lines up with the identity that God has for me. We have a thumbprint of God. That's what this is about. We got to begin seeing. If you feel like that, you're just dumb. I hear people say this all the time. I'm just dumb and I can't comprehend this. If you see yourself that way, the enemy wants you to see yourself that way, but God wants you to see yourself as smart and you're his beloved, you're his child of God and that he doesn't make any junk. We have to accept this as truth and we'll come out of feeling dumb and feeling stupid and finally maybe seeing ourselves coming out of average, see yourself coming out of just living paycheck to paycheck, see yourself finally stepping into the dream job, finally stepping into the purpose and the destiny that God has for us, okay? Yes, you see yourself the way God sees you, accept as truth what He says about you. Then we have to reject all the lies that the enemy would have to say about us, or all the lies that society would have to say about us. See, society is going to say that, you know, you should just be average, you should always be the same. I hate saying this. Everybody always tries to be the same. I hate that. I do. And I I just think that that it's not the heart of God. When you've got the thumbprint of God on you and and we're all trying to be like everybody else, okay? Why? We should reject that. You are special. Society, Society wants you to be like everybody else. Society wants you to be the same. But God says, I want you to be special. I have called you my own special person. I've called you as a child of God, loved, accepted, okay? I hope you get a hold of this here. We have to reject the lies of the enemy. Reject the lies that I'll always be average. Reject the lies that I'll always live paycheck to paycheck. Reject the lies that I'll always be sick. Reject the lies that I'll always be in fear. I'll always be in doubt. We have to reject all of that. God sees you different. We need to accept as truth the way he sees us and what he says about us. And we need to reject the lies that the enemy would try to put out there to prevent us from walking in all that God has for us. This is how we start living with a thumbprint of God on our life. This is how we identify ourselves with Christ. He sees us different. Let's accept the way He sees us as truth. And let's begin rejecting anything that doesn't line up with that. When I think about this. Abraham in the Bible had this struggle. And here he was, 87 years old, and still hadn't walked in the promise of having his own son. Think about this: being 87 for 20 years, okay, years, maybe maybe a little less than 20. Here you're gonna have your own son. God telling him you're gonna have your own son. You're gonna have your own son. All right, here he's 87 years old, discouraged. All right. He still doesn't have his own son. We would be discouraged too. His wife comes to him. She's 77. She says, listen, God's not answering our prayer. God's not coming through on his promise. Okay. And so they, they find themselves in this discouraged place. All right. And in this discouraged place, they decide to make plans of their own thinking that they're assisting God. Have you ever done that? God makes a promise and somehow I have to help God in this. We've all done it because we've gotten discouraged. We've grown impatient, okay? So here's Abraham and and Sarah. And Sarah actually believes that God's closed her womb up. So she comes up with this plan. She says, hey, you know, Abraham, why don't you have relations with my maidservant, okay? Why don't you have a child with her? And we'll raise a child that way. And then this will be the child that we pour our affections into. You know, since God's not, you know, coming through on his promise, that we're going to have our very own child through our seed and through, our, through my womb, that we're going to have to have it this way. All right? And so Abraham, in his own discouragement, he agrees to it. And so he has a relationship with Hagar, and a, a son is born. His name is Ishmael. All right? And something very interesting happens. Thirteen years pass from the time Abraham has Ishmael to the time that God speaks to him again. It's very interesting. So, and now here's what I believe why there was this period of silence, because uh, I really believe God wanted Abraham to give his very best to Ishmael, even though Ishmael was plan B, because this is how awesome God is. God cared about Ishmael too, and God cares about you too, with whatever plan B you might find yourself in, or whatever plan B you're probably in right now, God still cares about you. His blessing is real. It doesn't stop just because we do everything perfect. If God's blessings were only conditioned upon us doing everything perfect, we would all be in trouble. But God's blessing was still on Abraham, even in the middle of plan B. Come on, is somebody hearing me today? In the middle of plan B, God's blessing Abraham... He's he's wealthy and famous, right? But the one thing he wants is escaping his very own child. So he exercises this plan B. And for 13 years, God is silent to him, all right? And and Abraham pours himself into Ishmael, all right? He really believes Ishmael is going to be his heir, okay? Then one day, when Abraham is 99 years old, God appears. He breaks that 13 year silence. He says, Abraham, are you ready to have your own child? And Abraham starts talking. And Abraham says to God, No, I mean, Ishmael's my child. How can I have a child at 99 years old? Can't you see, God, that all my parts aren't working anymore? I'm old, I'm decrepit. And look at Sarah. Sarah's woman's dead. How in the world can she have a child? This is a joke to think that we could have children at 99 and at 89. God tells Abraham, you're going to have a child. You're going to have an heir. Imagine you being in the middle of this and hearing God say this to you. It seems impossible. It seems crazy. Right? But God is serious, right? And so, but God also knows that Abraham is discouraged and he's easily discouraged in this process. So he does something so amazing. In Genesis 18, God decides to change Abraham's name. Because up to this point, his name was actually Abram, which means exalted father, okay? But now God says, I want you to change your name at 99 years old to Abraham. And that means the father of many nations. Think about this. He's 99 years old and God is changing his name to something completely different. Then God says, I want you to change Sarah's name too. Up to that point, she was Sarai, which means princess. but, But God wanted her to change her name to Sarah, which means the mother of many nations. <laughs> this is an amazing story. Cause think about this, okay? At ninety nine and at eighty nine, they changed their names, and you know this, these old decrepit people now want to be known as the father of many nations and the mother of many nations. Think how crazy that must have looked. Think how think how crazy society looked on that name change. Come on, stop and think about this for a second. All right, but yet in that place. Abraham took God at his word. He began to see himself the way God was seeing him. He began to accept as truth what God was saying about him that he was going to have a child and Sarah was gonna give it to him even in their old age. And he had to reject the lies. Come on, he had to reject the lies of what people were thinking he had to reject the lies of what society was saying. He had to reject the lies of what his own mind must have been telling him. He had to reject the lies of what his body looked like and what his wife's body looked like. Okay? But a miracle started to happen from that point forward. As he began to call himself the father of many nations, and as she began to call herself the mother of many nations, stuff started working inside of them again fruitfulness. Life started to return. And and scholars will tell you from the time that God changed Abraham's name to the time they conceived a son in that old age was three months. Three months. Here's what happened when God visited Abraham and changed his name. He gave him a new identity. Come on, get a hold of this. He says, I don't want you identifying with your old man. I want you to identify with this guy. And I want your wife to identify with this new person. I'm changing your IDs. And in this change of identification, the power of God came into manifestation and the rest is history. They had a child of promise in their old age. It's a miracle. All right. In fact, Abraham got a hold of it so much after Sarah died. The Bible says that he was 140 years old and still having children. It was crazy. It's amazing what can happen when you identify yourself with something God is saying about you. Now, let me let you in on something. Let me let you in on something. Abraham and Sarah weren't even children of God. They were just servants. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If any man is in Christ, he becomes a new creation. He becomes a child of God. Listen, child of God. If God would do this miracle for Abraham and Sarah, because they started to understand their identity, their new identity, how much more so will he do it for you and me as children of God? We have God's thumbprint on us. Abraham didn't have the thumbprint. We have the thumbprint because Jesus came inside of us. Come on. And when you know your identity is different, your identity belongs to God, your identity is in Christ Jesus, it's a game changer. You don't have to settle for average. Friends, I don't want the season of this pandemic or COVID-19, to change our identity to mold us and shape us in any if anything i want to remind you that god's thumbprint is on you you have his identification and in the weeks to come i'm going to talk about why we stay on blessed highly favored and deeply loved." it's all part of our new identity it's all part of the identity that can reshape us, and they can remold us to be everything that God has called us to be, even in this season. Friends, I don't want this season to mold and shape us in any way. I want the thumbprint of God to serve as a reminder that we're going to rise head and shoulders above this season, and we still are going to become everything that God's called us to be. I believe new businesses are coming out of this season. I believe new ministries are coming out of this season. I believe children are going to be born out of this season. They're going to do amazing things for God. I believe leaders are coming out of this season because of the thumbprint of God on your life. Abraham staggered not once his identity changed or once, once his name changed. This tells me too that when we understand our identity in Christ, we don't have to stagger through life any longer. We can walk confidently and we can be all that God has called us to be. Man, I, and maybe you're watching right now and you're like, man, that sounds really good, Pastor Dino. That sounds awesome. And I, I want this new identity. I, I want this identification in Christ Jesus. I want you to know Him too. And I want you to have that new identity too. So if you're saying, I want that, you say, saying, how do I get that? And it's really simple. It's by praying a simple prayer and inviting the Lord Jesus Christ into your life and allowing Him to lead you and to guide you, making Him your Lord and your Savior. You see, that, that's what happens when we become a new creation. He comes inside of us. He rearranges things. He makes us new not refurbished, not uh, renovated, brand new. If you're looking for a brand new life, a brand new identity, I'm inviting you to pray with me right now to invite our amazing, wonderful Savior Jesus into your life. Pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that you sent Jesus to the earth to die for my sins, and you raised him from the dead to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I am accepting you as my personal Savior. Help me from this day forward. In your name I pray, amen. Hopefully this message was encouraging to you, and if it was, tell a friend. And thank you for your generosity. Your generosity enables us to take the message of God's unchanging love all around the world. For more information on how to give and about the ministry, visit us at TheRevolutionChurch.com. We'll see you right back here next week.